So we've been using this um, language of uh, ways of looking um, over the days. Um, I just want to take a few moments to kind of just make sure that we're all on board with what with that language and what that means. Um, so we've been speaking about ways of looking and the fact that they impact experience. Yeah. So um, I think Nathan, when he was speaking about it early on, he spoke about you know a way of looking that is there's always a way of looking present. Yeah. So we're always um, experiencing life via a way of looking. Yeah. There's a way of looking that's impacting what we experience. So another way of saying that is that um, we have an underlying assumption, yeah, which is very human, that we are perceiving neutral phenomena in a neutral way or an objective way. Yeah. So right now you are listening to me and what I'm saying. Yeah. And those things are both two separate events yeah, and objective independent events. And when we bring in this idea of, ah, there's a way of looking present that's impacting experience. Yeah. So, you know, we can just use a very um, simple one in this example. If, if we, I wasn't planning to use this as an example, but it just came out of my mouth, so we'll use it. So in the listening right now to, to what I'm saying, um, you know, one way of looking that might be present is, um, you know, last night you enjoyed listening to what I said or understood what I was saying yeah so that will then impact how you're listening or perceiving right now yeah or you didn't yeah you found it confusing you know or I remind you of you know someone that was really mean to you when you were 12 yeah you know it's funny but it's true yeah so say, if I remind you of someone that was mean to you when you were 12, that way of looking will impact how you perceive what I'm saying right now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of giving very simplistic yeah, examples of this. There's always a way of looking present, or several, <laughs> yeah, various. You know, and we know that from our experience, and, you know, the very easy to relate to experience, experience that we have is, um, you know, something that happens to us quite often, you know, maybe in our daily life, yeah, um, and how that may be impacted by different moods we're in, yeah. So say, you know, we're in a bad mood and we miss the bus to work, yeah, how is that going to look, right, how is that going to affect the rest of the day? We're in a good mood and we miss the bus to work. How is that going to look? Yeah. Does this make sense to people? Like I'm really staying with this because, you know, it's, it's on the one hand very simple and the other it's incredibly profound. If we remember there's always ways of looking that are present and are impacting our experience. Always. Always. And one of the things that we um, do in practice is to start actually using that 
understanding. Yeah. So we, we have that understanding. So we, one thing that we're doing is to remember. Yeah, we're increasing the possibility of us remembering. There's a way of looking right now that's affecting my experience. What is it? Yeah. Or what are the common, kind of we each have habitual ways of looking that arise. So what, what, what are they? What is at play here? How is it affecting my experience? And what other possibilities have we got? Yeah. So, you know, when we speak about it, we, you know, Nathan was using, it's like a lens, yeah, and, and the helpful thing about a lens, like a pair of glasses, is that we can change, yeah. We have the capacity to play with the lenses that we're seeing through, the ways of looking that are arising, now to bring intentionality to the way of looking, um, so, you know, that's definitely something that we're doing through the practices that we're, that we're cultivating. Yeah, we're cultivating more calm through the breath and the body. Yeah. So, more calm is a way of looking that uh, helps us not be reactive. Yeah. Have more perspective. Yeah. Or we're cultivating metta if we're doing the metta practice. Yeah. It's a very powerful way of looking. Looking at experience through a lens of friendliness. Yeah, how does that change uh, what we're seeing? And so this, this whole kind of recognition of there's a way of looking, first of all, then what is the way of looking that's dominant right now? Yeah. And what can I do in order to kind of soften its hold or to um, even kind of shift to a different way of looking that would be more helpful, more skillful. Yeah, and, and, and it's exactly what we're doing, yeah, looking at pain with interest. Yeah, that's shifting the way of looking, right? Instead of aversion, interest. And as we've seen, that can change the experience. That can change the experience. So it's, it can be very, very freeing, very, very liberating. Um, and the effect, I just want to really highlight this, the effect can be both in the moment... Yeah, in the moment the experience changes or the relationship to the experience changes. There's more lightness. Uh, but also over time. Yeah, over time we can notice more quickly when we're hooked by ways of looking that are not useful. Um, we can have we have more flexibility and fluidity in um, playing with the ways of looking and changing them. And also, and this is the really exciting news is that we cultivate more wholesome ways of looking as more habitual things that arise. Yeah. Yeah. So more calm we're cultivating, the more uh, metta we're cultivating, the more interest we're cultivating as we practice here, the more likely these are the things that will come to the forefront. Yeah. In a kind of automatic way, immediate way. Yeah. And I can really say, you know, in my own experience, as someone who's walking the path just like you, yeah, has a long way to go. <laughs> but that is something that we can really begin to see. Yeah, and I've been kind of joking here about my mind's tendency towards aversion. Yeah, so that's something you can really see how those tendencies change over time. So it's, it's, really, um, it's really possible for us. And freeing in the moment and then also over time. Yeah, radical changes over time. So today, with the instructions, um, 
we're going to bring this um, way, ways of looking, intentional ways of looking, um, more into the practice. And we're actually going to play, for those of you who are interested, with using a particular way of looking, yeah, like intentionally bringing it, bringing it in um, to relate to experience um, and seeing what happens. You know, we've already been doing that with the Vedana to a great degree, and, and all the practices that we've been doing have had that flavor. Um, but today we're going to bring in a particular um, one, which will have its friends following in the next couple of days. Um, and it's the first of the three wisdom views that I spoke of last night. Um, you don't need to remember, I'll, I'll mention them now again. Uh, in Dharma teachings, there's three wisdom views. Uh, anicca, impermanence, yeah, inconstancy. Dukkha, yeah, that things cannot give us lasting satisfaction. Yeah. And not-self, anatta. Yeah. Nothing exists independently and separately unconditionally from, from other things. Okay, so we can use these three wisdom views. As I said last night, they're not um, beliefs to take on, but they're actually tools yeah, that we can use to approach experience. And so today we'll be exploring the first one, anicca, impermanence, inconstancy, um, changeability, transitoriness. Yeah, it's different. That's a really uh, mouthful of a word. Yeah. But the way things change, yeah, the way they arise and pass, we're going to use these, um, we're going to use this particular lens uh, for our practice. So one thing that I, I touched on last night and um, it's important again to bring up is that with all the three wisdom views, we can understand them Especially with the Nietzsche, it's very easy to understand. It's very difficult to debate, yeah? Say, oh no, things are permanent. <laughs> you know, this is permanent. It's very, you know, intellectually, we understand that things change. And yet, there's a big gap between that intellectual understanding and our actual moment-to-moment assumptions, yeah? Because we keep expecting things to be permanent or seeing things as permanent, yeah, including ourselves. So we, we're in a certain mood, yeah, and we see that or we relate to it as if it's going to last forever and as if it defines who we are, yeah? And, and we can see that, you know, in, in everything. So that's where our... Kind of that's our arena of practice, is that gap between the understanding, yeah, things are impermanent, and then how do we bring that into our moment-by-moment unfolding experience? That's what we're interested in, yeah, without adding layers of, of judgment. So we're taking that understanding, yeah, things are impermanent, and we're going to use it as a tool of meditation. It's an actual tool of, of meditation, And we're going to do that by paying attention to impermanence. Yeah, we're actually going to look at our experience through that lens. Yeah? We're looking at the experience, whatever practice we're doing. Yeah, we might be 
um, watching the breath, we might be in the body, we might be using metta or vedana, uh, but we're looking at it through the lens of impermanence. Yeah, through the lens of impermanence, seeing how it changes, how things change. And we're interested to do that because when we relate to something as impermanent, when we remind ourselves to see something as impermanent, um, that affects how we respond to it. Yeah. Just like that um, beautiful quote from the suttas that I read yesterday about the winds. Yeah. If we relate to our body sensations or to our mind states as winds that are arising and passing, yeah, we take them less personally, take them less seriously. Our, our response is different. And mostly the, the response will um, lead to less sense of problematic. Yeah. Experience becomes less problematic if we understand that it is changing. Yeah, it's not fixed, not fixed. So less problematic and a little bit less fire around wanting something, yeah, or um, being aversive to something. If we know it's going to change, if we know things are moving and changing and in constant, they become less serious. So we can do this in several ways. You know, one is just a reflection. Yeah, we can take a period of time. It can be a, um, at the end of a meditation period. It can be at the end of a section of the day. And we can just reflect back. Um, how did my mind state and my mood change? Yeah, we can just reflect. Yeah. What was my mood this morning when I wake up, woke up? What is it now? How has it changed in that time? How, is, um, how did the quality of mindfulness and presence change? Not as a way of judging ourselves, but just seeing those fluctuations. It's impermanent. How did the feeling in the body change? Yeah. I find like the weather here is wonderful for that because the temperature keeps changing, not always in the way we expect it to. <laughs> Might be warmer at 6 o'clock in the evening than at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So we can really kind of stay in tune with the, with the, the physicality of things and see how that changes. Yeah. So we can do that through reflection back using the power of reflection. And as we do that, for example, with the mind states, um, what that supports is both a lightening in the moment, right? The more we see the impermanent nature of our experience, the less seriously we're going to take it. And then even when a real kind of very serious mind state is there in the moment, yeah, we, we can remember, ah, this wasn't here always, and it will not stay here always. Yeah? So it changes, it passes. So we can do this through reflection, yeah, looking back over a period of time. And we can also do this moment to moment in our practice. Yeah. Like we're already, some people are already intuitively starting to see that in the Vedana practice yesterday. Just noticing the impermanence, noticing, noticing the changeability of the Vedana. 
Yeah. Uh, equally, you know, you can do that if you're focusing, if you if you're working with the breath or the body, noticing the the the, the changeability within the breath. Yeah. Every breath is different. Different parts of the breathing are different. Noticing the impermanence in uh, the body sensations. So if your um, focus is body, yeah, particularly a particular area of the body or a sense of the whole body, we can uh, pay attention to anicca, to change, to impermanence in the body sensations. Or if you're doing metta practice, yeah, in any of these, we can notice how the, the metta itself changes. Yeah. How um, the sense of metta changes with different people that we're sending it to. Yeah. We can notice it in the quality of mindfulness or presence itself. That also isn't constant. Yeah. Changes. So we're paying attention to that kind of inconstant unstable, changing, moving, flowing nature of our experience, yeah, Anicca. For some of us, um, this can be, you know, just like a lens that we put on and it can be quite uh, easy to just see that changing, flickering nature of the experience as it changes. And for others, it can be helpful to use um, a very light form of, of noting practice, um, I think Nathan mentioned it at some point when he was talking about um, noting different types of thought, yeah, planning, um, fantasy, memory, etc. Um, so we can use a very light noting as a tool to do this uh, Anicca practice. And in this case, the noting will just be one word, either the Pali Anicca or impermanence or changing uh, or inconstant, uh, whatever kind of works for you. If, if you think this would be helpful for you, for some people, the noting can be helpful. You know, just changing, changing. So could you just repeat those, that little list you did? Yeah. There. There'll also be, um, as has been happening every day, hopefully, um, there'll be some instructions relevant to this coming up in the notice board, so it'll be written down, you don't need to remember, but it can be just one word, like Anicca, the Pali, or impermanent, impermanence, changing, um, inconstant, whatever kind of uh, resonates with you as a, as a noting, to just maintain that contact with, with that way of looking. If it's helpful for you, yeah. Some people noting is helpful for others, it's not at all. So this is part of the process of getting to know um, what works for you. And at any point, um, if you're using the noting and then it starts feeling like it's... Uh, actually taking up too much, yeah, it's as if it's intruding into your space, then just let it go, yeah, or make it more spacious, yeah, make it more spacious. And um, with that, one important thing to say with the noting um, or just the noticing of impermanence, sometimes when we start using these kind of techniques, um, we start going at a really fast speed, <laughs> It's like we think, like something in us goes, okay, I, don't, I shouldn't miss any phenomena, you know, so impermanent, 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 you know, whatever way we're doing it. And, and we don't even notice, and it starts going very, very fast. So there's no need for that to happen. 
Okay, for some people, again, there will be some way of uh, resting back and noticing this flickering of impermanence moving very, very quickly, whether uh, it's in a particular phenomena, like a body sensation, or um, in the whole body or with the whole breath, whatever it is. Um, so sometimes it will be quite easeful and it's going quite fast, but at other times it will be going quite fast and it will feel like a race. Yeah, and then just remembering it's not about kind of catching all the moments of impermanence. Yeah, it doesn't matter the speed at which we go. Yeah, what we're interested in is just noticing that. So if, if you're, you know, like me, someone who's quite slow, that's fine. Yeah, we just notice impermanence in a slow way. Yeah, it's absolutely uh, fine. There's no difference in the quality. Um, just, just really helpful to find the right speed. <clears throat> so two more kind of general things that are important. Um, staying sensitive to the emotional response. Yeah. The intention with this kind of practice is actually to bring more lightness and more release and more relief. But sometimes something like impermanence will actually, uh, for some of us, might bring some sense of sadness yeah, around impermanence. If that's the case, you know, really important to see that and acknowledge it, uh, not fight it. Um, And if, if it feels like it's, it's bringing up too much sadness yeah, and it's overwhelming, then it's always an appropriate, appropriate response to shift away from that practice uh, to any other practice that's been working for you. Yeah? So to the breath, the metta, the vedana, the body. Yeah? Always an appropriate response. We're interested primarily in appropriateness. And the second thing that's really important to say is that sometimes these three wisdom views are taught or understood as the way things are. Yeah, this is the ultimate reality. Yeah, this is not uh, what we're interested in at all. Yeah, it's not that life is a flow. Um, you know, uh, life is impermanent, life is like this, life... We're not trying to pin anything down. We're interested in the release, the relief, the freedom that can come through applying this view as a way of looking. Yeah, the reduction in suffering. Um, that's what we're interested in. Um, or another way of saying that, this, this way of looking can support us to let go of clinging and of contraction. Yeah, that intuitive tendency towards um, clinging to things or pushing them away can support us to let go of that. Okay, so uh, just one important guideline uh, for the practice through the day, and then we'll we'll go into a practice which will be mo- like very lightly. Um, guided. Um, so as we start to apply these ways of looking practices, um, we're making a distinction between two 
kind of approaches or attitudes or uh, threads of practice. Okay, one is more calming, gathering, settling, grounding the attention. Yeah, what we're calling samatha practices, calming. Yeah. And that's primarily what we're doing most of the time with the breath, with the body, uh, with the metta. Yeah, we're calming. And the other thread is the thread of insight. Yeah. So ways of looking are insight practices. Yeah. Insight looking in to things. Yeah. So ways of looking is a way of practicing insight. Um, which are more about investigation of our experience, investigation of what leads to freedom, what reduces suffering. And it's really important to keep these two threads in balance. Yeah, really, really important to keep these two threads in balance. We need a good basis of calm and of well-being to engage with the insight practices. So the general guideline that we would give at this point is 50-50. Yeah, at the minimum. So at least half the time you're primarily engaging with samatha practices. So you're, you're doing your breath practice or your body practice or your metta practice and you're not looking at impermanence. <laughs> yeah. You're just doing that yeah, half the time at least. <clears throat> and then the other half of, time, of the time you can dedicate to insight. So that's the general guideline, and with that general guideline, uh, a little caveat. If there's a sense that the samatha practices um, are really kind of have a strong momentum, it's really fine to stay with those. Yeah, there's something about going with that momentum that's also really, really rich and useful. So if it feels like right now there's this sense of increase in sensitivity and increase in aliveness um, through the samatha practices. Um, it's fine to stay with those primarily <coughs> and leave the insight uh, either to arise spontaneously, which it will. Those two are, I like using the word threads because they're very interwoven, um, or for another time. Yeah, so really kind of listening. And if you're not sure um, exactly, you know, w- where to lean, then... Uh, come and talk to us. There'll be groups today also where you can talk to us, but also come and talk to us one-to-one to to explore the right balance uh, for you. Does that make sense to people? Yeah. So general guideline around 50-50, at least 50% samatha practices. Um, And if it feels there's something in the samatha that's kind of really uh, flourishing at the moment, um, then then give that more, uh, more, more of the emphasis. And this, um, and you can play with how to divide the time according to what feels useful for you. So it can be, um, if you're dividing, deciding I'm going to do some of the some of the practice sessions, samatha, some of the practice sessions, insight, or I'm going to divide each session as as best as I can, fifty fifty. It doesn't have to be, you know, on a stopwatch, you know, twenty two and a half minutes or a forty five minute sit. Yeah, so can be approximate. Okay. Does that feel clear enough um, to begin the practice? Yeah. Okay, so let's practice, and then there'll be time for questions, as always, um, 
after this sitting for those who wish. So yeah, beginning the practice by taking your posture for this period of meditation. Yeah, we're going to have around 25 minutes. And as you settle into the body, into the posture, both tuning into what the body needs right now in order to be supported, stable, upright and relaxed. And noticing how we're drawing the awareness into the body as we settle into the posture. Settling into your meditation, settling into the body, settling with the object of your practice. Grounding and steadying the attention, the awareness in the body as fully into the body as you can. Upright and open. Receptive and alive. Passionate. And in a moment, I'm going to ring the bell. And as you receive the sound of the bell, just tuning in to the impermanent and inconstant nature of the sound. How the sound appears, changes and fades. Impermanence, not just in the appearing and disappearing, but also within the vibrations, within the sound. There is change, there's inconstancy.
So seeing if you can tune in to that frequency of anicca, of change, of impermanence, with the object of meditation that you're using, whatever that is, the breath, the body, Vedana or Metta. If you're unsure, then keep it simple, either body sensations or breathing. Just meeting experience through that lens of impermanence of a nature.
So gathering the attention with the breath, the body, the metta, the vedana, whatever you've chosen. And tuning in. to the impermanent, changing movement of our experience. The breath changes, the sensations in the body change. The Vedana changes. Whenever the mind wanders from the object, that's also a nature, impermanence, changeability in constancy of mindfulness. What happens when we view it through that lens and gently guide it back? This too impermanent, changing fluid, transitory, in movement.
as you hear the sound of my voice, noticing the impermanence and changeability of experience, tuning into that impermanence, tuning into that inconstancy within your direct experience of breath or body, of Vedana or Metta. As you tune in to impermanence, how does that affect your experience? Is there any effect to that? Gently opening to see.
And once again, as the bell rings, tuning in to the change within the sound and of the sound. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.